Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. It is a time to remember someone who fought and died for equality of all races in this country. Unlike others of his time, like Malcolm X, he decided to protest in nonviolent ways. His most famous speech, the 1963 I Have a Dream speech, included a line that said that he dreamed of a time when people would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Now, this is truth, and this is something I think we can fight for and support. He was unfortunately assassinated just a few years after this speech, but the truth still remains, and it is something to admire. Unfortunately, most black leaders today believe just the opposite of MLK. They profit off of continuing racism and thus find racism under every rock, just just like a government program. It works against job security to actually do tangible things that solve the issue. <laughs> this, is, this is why we have heard a lot about critical race theory in the last few years. What is critical race theory? Well, you can go back and you can hear a couple of our podcasts we've done on this, but let me do this. Let me read to you Imbram X. Kendi, and he is a proponent of CRT and critical race theory. And this is what he says the definition and explanation of it is. Quote, critical race theorists were the first to recognize that, despite conservative Americans framing certain laws as race neutral because they did not have any racial language in them, these laws had a racial impact, an impact that led to the reinforcement of racist structures in this country. Critical race theorists are keen on examining the way the law reinforces structures of racism and white supremacy. Do you hear all these buzzwords and things in here and how he's trying to frame this? He he says that the implications of CRT are this, and this is something to, to listen to. The only, this is, this is his quote, the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. So he believes that two wrongs make a right. He believes that because there may have been a, a, a wrong in the past, whatever he, he wants to, 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 to dream up, that if there was a wrong in the past, that you need to correct that with a wrong in the present and a wrong in the future. That's his shtick. Now, he also goes on to say this, to fix the original sin of racism. You hear that? The original sin of racism. Americans should pass an anti-racist amendment to the U.S. Constitution that enshrines two guiding anti-racist principles. Radical inequity in uh, in evidence of racist policy and the different racial groups are equals. It would establish a permanently and and permanently fund 
the Department of Anti-Racism, or he even calls it DOA. <laughs> well, there's, there's an irony there, but I'll, I'll move on. He, he, he says that we need this Department of Anti-Racism, or DOA, comprised of formerly trained experts on racism and no political appointees. The DOA would be responsible for pre-clearing all local, state, and federal public policies to ensure they won't yield racial inequities. They'd monitor those policies. They'd investigate private racist policies, private racist policies, and when racial inequity surfaces and monitor public officials for expressions of racist ideas. So <laughs> you hear what he's saying here. He wants a government agency set up that is in the Constitution that would look at anything, private or governmental, whether it be a policy, whether it be um, any kind of, of statement or um, free speech, whatever the case may be, and they would monitor and they would uh, take care of those people that they think uh, are doing things outside of the equity, uh, racial equity, which, of course, is not the same thing as equality. And we have done a podcast on that, too. We don't have time here for that. But on this Martin Luther King Day, let's look at the modern day self-proclaimed civil rights leaders and, and what they're pushing today. Now, in an article entitled The Second Assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., King's Nightmare of Racism is being presented as his dream. And this is an article written by this very Ibram X. Kendi, who is a major pusher of CRT and, and one, considered one of the um, civil rights leaders of today. He says this. He says, early on the evening of October 23rd, 2019, I took a tour of the Lorraine Motel. I'd been to Memphis, Tennessee several times before, and I'd come back to speak at the National Civil Rights Museum, which encompasses the motel. But until that October, I'd never been able to bring myself to visit the site of Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. I saw what King saw moments before he saw no more. His second floor room had been preserved. Walking into, into there was like walking into 1968. I saw the antique dishes from the motel's kitchen. I saw two beds, one for King, unmade, and one for his friend, Ralph uh, Abernathy. On April 4th, 1968, King had been feeling under the weather. The night before he was killed, King addressed striking black uh, uh, sanitation workers in Memphis. If something isn't done, and in a hurry, he said, to bring the colored peoples of the world out of their long years of poverty, their long years of hurt and neglect, and whole world is doomed. I walked out of room 306 as King did, around 6 p.m. From the balcony, I looked down on a white 1959 Dodge Royale and a white 1968 Cadillac. King looked down to talk with some friends in the parking lot, 
And he turned to walk back into his room and a bullet smashed into his neck. I stood on the concrete square where King's life fell. I looked to where King's associates pointed to the sniper's direction. I did not say anything during the tour. A, a guide spoke, but I couldn't hear him. My silence kept screaming in my solemnness. I would grieve in silence and later in words. The second assassination of King began days after the first assassination. Almost a third of Americans polled in April of 1968 felt that King himself was to blame for his assassination. Felt that he had brought it on himself. When King was killed, he was one of the most hated people in the United States. Nearly half of black Americans and three quarters of white Americans disapproved of him when he stepped out into the motel balcony. Death threats were a fact of life. Now I'm going to stop here and say anytime you are in the public spotlight, death threats are a fact of life. It just is that way. And number two, people were not in favor of his siding with unions and government intervention. That's what he, 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 he didn't make very many friends in that respect with Americans. Wasn't that he was, um, that, that, that America was so racist that they were against him because he was black. So to make that assertion, I think is unfair, but let's continue. King's first assassinations professed to, um, uh, profess, professed to hate him half a century ago. His second assassinations professed to revere him. Death threats to King's legacy are now sold as love songs to his legacy. King is adorned in death, literally. King is still hated in life. Take the small town uh, Ohio crowd that gathered for a political rally last month. A white woman held a sign that read, Educate, don't indoctrinate. Another sign said, Save the division for the classroom. And another person held a large poster of King. <laughs> Again, I'm going to stop and say, so what's wrong with wanting the schools to educate kids instead of indoctrinate them? Isn't that what schools are supposed to do? <laughs> I know that it's not what teachers are taught to do today. Instead, they're increasingly encouraged to use their position to create social warriors. But this is what schools should be doing. And CRT and, and other liberal theories do divide us. That's what so many people have as a problem with CRT. And, and he, he just got done saying that MLK was not popular with whites. And now he's complaining that a white person was holding a poster of him. <laughs> this is a, a great example of what's wrong with Kendi's way of thinking. It's just racist. Now he continues and he says, Josh Mandel, a, a Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate, spoke to a crowd, quote, the lib uh, what the liberals are doing by advancing the cause of critical race theory, they are stomping on the grave of Martin Luther King. And this is what this is what uh, Mandel is uh, is being quoted as uh, saying, who's. Uh, he, he says that his internal polls show him leading the Republican primary race. And he continues by saying this, Martin Luther King once said that he had a dream that his grandkids would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. 
And he added, but what you have going on in the government schools by these liberals and the media, by the secular left and by the radical left, they're trying to make everything about skin color. (laughs) I'm going to say, what about what Josh Mandel said here is incorrect? And Kenny goes on, he says, the sniper shots aimed at King's body of work sound this way almost every time. His modern day assassins endlessly recite King's dream that that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. As if that was all King said during his 1963 march on Washington speech. They disregard the lines before and after it. When King lamented that his dream was being thwarted by various racists in places sweltering with the heat of oppression, they disregard King's paraphrase of his iconic dream line in 1965, that one day all of God's black children will be respected like his white children. They disregard King's recognition that the civil rights movement did not end racism, leading him to tell the NBC News correspondent on May 8th of 1967 that the dream that I had in 1963 has at many points turned to a nightmare. Ironically, it was this nightmare of post-civil rights radical Uh, racial inequality that caused legal scholars in the 1970s to develop critical race theory in school, in the law schools, particularly to study and reveal the law's role in the maintenance of inequality. King's modern day assassins disregard everything he said about education. Quote, whites, it must frankly be said, are not putting in a similar mass effort to re-educate themselves about their racial ignorance, King wrote in 1967. In, in, in an aspect of their sense of superiority that the white people of America believe they have so little to learn. Now, I, I'm going to say attitudes may not have changed as fast as he had wanted them to, but we as a nation did get to where he wanted them to be uh, until, of course, the modern day black leaders showed up. And, and, and we've taken several steps backwards, I believe, because of them. Now, he continues on by saying that they disregard King's worry about the effects of not teaching black history, including white people internalizing notions of, of superiority and black people in internalizing notions of inferiority. The history books, quote, the history books, which have almost completely ignored the contribution of the Negro in American history, have only served to intensify the the Negro's sense of worthlessness and to augment the the anti-colonialistic doctrine of white supremacy. Now, this is what King wrote in 1967. Now, I would say that today's blacks are feeling worthless, not by society, but by the victimization of their race by their own black leaders. If if there is a worthlessness 
within the black community, it is greatly due to that. But I go on. He says, but all of this disregarding of King's words has not been the worst of it. The distortions are what's truly lethal to his legacy, such as the claim that King's dream was for his four children to live in a nation where, where despite numerous racial disparities, no one, no one judges racism or mentions skin color and everyone judges only character because a hierarchy of character is apparently causing the inequities. King's nightmare of racism is being presented as King's dream. Okay, so so what he's saying is that we distort King's dream when we say that we should not judge someone by the color of their skin. We should judge them by their skin color and not judge them by their character. That is pretty messed up, and it's really unbiblical. But let's continue. He says, those who distort King's dream are now also distorting critical race theory and distorting CRT to distort King. Critical race theory is a Marxist doctrine that rejects the vision of Martin Luther King Jr., Donald Trump said at a Michigan campaign rally last October. In July, House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy said critical race theory goes against everything Martin Luther King has ever told us. Don't judge us by the color of our skin. And now they're embracing it. And again, I say, what is wrong with this? There's nothing wrong with what Kendi is quoting of these guys here. There's nothing wrong with it. I would, I would, I would love to hear that from any, anyone. Why is this wrong? It's just not. It is he, he continues and he says, it is wrong to present King who continually spoke out against racism as someone who stood against people speaking out against racism. It is wrong to claim that teachers educating their students about past and present racism are stomping on the grave of Martin Luther King. To quote Mandel, but People such as Trump and McCarthy and Mandel aren't simply stomping on King's grave themselves. These self-professed administers of King are digging a new grave and burying King's body of work within it. So, So let me translate this into English for you, okay? If you say anything bad about a black person or CRT, then you are assassinating MLK MLK all over again. That's what he's saying. And he goes on to say that Texas State Senator Byron Hughes said in July that he was was, uh, aggrieved by educators teaching the inverse of what Dr. King taught us. But this same legislator proposed a bill weeks earlier that would have removed King's I Have a Dream speech and the letters from Brigham Jail from the Texas state curriculum. This year, the Tennessee group Moms of Liberty attempted to ban Francis E. Ruffin's book Martin Luther King Jr. and the March on Washington. Pennsylvania's Central York York School District banned 
Brad Metzler's I Am Martin Luther King Jr. two years ago. The Columbia County School District in Georgia banned Nick Stone's Dear Martin. There's no contradiction in these elected officials and parents banning books about the historical figure they claim to adore when they adore his historical figure only now that he's dead. Now, I'm going to say that banning literature is is almost never right. But if you're going to push a history book, then it better not be a revisionist history book. It needs to be actual history, not just something that you're trying to indoctrinate people with. Now, he goes on and says, King's adult children have spent the past year defending their father's legacy. In the latest instance, Bernice King invited Josh uh, Mandel uh, in response to his Ohio rally speech to study my father's teaching in full and in context. He was not a drum major for a colorblind society, but for justice. (laughs) Mandel shot back, spare me the lectures. And she came, actually, she came and says, says, he says, I I don't see liberals stomping on my father's grave. Martin Luther King uh, tweeted, Mandel tweeted, he says, I see a GOP effort to whitewash history. Um, Yeah. Mandel tweeted back, you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Again, these are people who are making money. Unfortunately, his children, making money off of race. Mandel then addressed both of these guys um, on a, on a, twit, uh, a Twitter uh, um, post together by saying, you guys are just charlatans who use CRT to pervert his legacy and make money. He was a leader among leaders who brought people together and tore down racial barriers. Again, I say, what did Mandel write that is not true? I mean, Kennedy's trying to present this stuff as, oh, wow, these guys are presenting these type of things that aren't true. This is an example of racism, da, da, da. What, what, what did he write here that isn't true? They're, they are not the only char- charlatans just trying to make money off of race, these, these, these kids of, of Martin Luther King. An example A is right here with Ibram X. Kennedy. And when he, he also goes on to write, when President Ronald Reagan marked the first federally recognized Martin Luther King Jr. Day in January of 1986, he saluted, quote, all those who have continued to work for brotherhood, for justice, for racial harmony, for a truly colorblind America where all people are judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. To them, I say, never Never abandon the dream. So <laughs> we can now add Reagan to the list of people saying truth, right? <laughs> Again, I don't see anything wrong here. Reagan abandoned, he goes on to say, Reagan abandoned government efforts to eliminate racial inequities and constantly invoked King to justify his abandonment. King, though, he had been clear about how, the, how to achieve his dream, If we are going to make the American dream a reality, we are um, we are challenging to the the work in the action program to get rid of the last vestiges 
of segregation and discrimination. And this is what King said in 1965 in his American Dream speech. This problem isn't going to solve itself, King said. But Reagan Republicans then and Trump Republicans today have disparaged these anti-racist action programs to eliminate racial disparities as racist, as reverse discrimination, as handing out special privileges or special treatment, all of which they claim King opposed. (laughs) And again, I'm going to say, when you look at the color of someone's skin and give them special privileges and treatment, this is reverse discrimination. That is racism. You can't get around it. If you look at somebody and you you look at their skin and you judge them simply off of that, then that is racism. It doesn't matter if you're giving them special privileges or you're, or you're taking away privileges. It doesn't matter. It's racism. Kenny goes on and says, quote, it is, however, important to understand that giving a man his due may often mean giving him special treatments, King wrote in his 1967 book, Where Do We Go From Here? Quote, I am aware of the fact that this has been a troublesome concept for many liberals, since it conflicts with their traditional idea of equal opportunity and equal treatment of people according to their individual merits, unquote. Well, if King is talking about reparations or other special treatments, and he's just wrong. He, he, he can be, he can have a truth. He, he can, he can say a truth. He can understand a truth, but get it wrong on the implementation of it. That is entirely possible. And Kendi goes on to say that 44 years later, this remains a troublesome concept for many Americans who declare that they adore King. I, I, identity politics values people by characteristics like race, sex, and sexual orientation and holds the new times and holds that new times demand new rights to replace the old. This is what Trump said uh, with his 1776 commission report. Quote, this is the opposite of King's hope that his children would live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Well, I don't know what, yeah, they are right. I don't know what Kenny's getting at here. They were right. Identity politics does just that. When liberals try to divide us up into these little groups based on certain things about us, it is division. Kenny goes on to say that the 1976, or I'm sorry, the 1776 commission tried to turn King into an advocate of colorblind civil rights. But King had already written back in 1967 Quote, this is the day which demands new thinking and the re-evaluation of old concepts. A society that has done something special against the Negro for hundreds of years must now do something special for him in order to equip him to complete compete on a just and equal basis. But I say what I say to this is what today does the black person not have? to compete with on everyone else on an equal basis. We keep hearing this, this mantra of, wow, these poor black people, and they're so victimized, and 
wow, they just can't compete. There's just nothing they can do without these white people, you know, making laws and giving them special abilities and, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, this, the, the society we have today actually benefits the black person in many ways. And we've, again, done podcasts on that, and you can go back and listen to those. He continues and says that historians and writers have called attention again and again and again to the misappropriation of King, this misunderstanding of King, the stealing of King, the attempts to defang King, the watering down of King, the whitewashing of King by the conservators of racial inequity. As the distortions of King have intensified over the years, so too has the language denouncing them. No, no, there is not a watering down or a whitewashing of King. It is just... It just so happens that some took King at his word, that people should be judged by their character and not their skin color. That is what we're doing. We are not whitewashing anything. We are just simply taking King at his word because it was true. And yet, Kendi goes on, the second assassination is about King and hardly about King at all. If Mandel is an avatar of the snipers, then King is an avatar of history. The second assassination of King is the latest assassination of history. The war on science, on expertise, on facts, on journalism, on democracy necessitates a war on history. And the war on history is the war on education, as history is essentially educational. If an anti-racist king can be turned into a colorblind conservator of racism, then anyone and anything from history can be assassinated. Pro-slavery founding fathers can be re, uh, recast as having been against slavery. Racist confederate rebels can be recast as not racist heroes deserving of monuments in town squares. Okay, I'm going to stop here revisionist history is exactly what happened is, is happening here with Kendi. Our founding fathers were not pro-slavery. In fact, they set up a constitution that made it possible. It made a road for, for the, the U S to be, to be put on a path to get rid of his, of, of, of slavery. It, they made it possible by just even in the U.S. Declaration of Independence, which Jefferson penned in 1776 during the beginning of the American Revolution, that reads this, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So he, again, is just making things up. Assassinating, he goes on to say, the reality of the past assassinations, the reality of the present, and, the, and creates a new uh, simultaneous reality. In this simulated reality, critical race theory can be warped into being like Jim Crow. Anti-American institutionalists who attacked the U.S. Capitol on January 6th can be presented as 
pro-American patriots. Education can be turned in, into indoctrination, and indoctrination can be turned into education. Teaching children that there's nothing special about their skin color can be turned into teaching children to hate their skin color. People organizing and writing against uh, racism can be portrayed as race politics profiteers, as Mandel sadistically framed Bernice King. <laughs> Let me say, there is so much here, but let me just say this. What you and, and, and other people that tell blacks that there is nothing they can do if their skin color is too dark because then they're victims does make you into race politics profiteer. You profit off of race, Mr. Kendi. And he finishes up by saying this. It's been a year. I've raged, but rage has not been the overwhelming emotion as I've witnessed the assassinations of reality, of history, of King. I've largely felt grief, like I did at the Lorraine Motel two years ago. Grief as I long for the wisdom of evidence and history to guide our policy decisions. Grief as I long for King to live through his body of anti-racist words. Grief as I realize that the assassinations of the legacy will stop at nothing until those words are dead, until every trace of the dreamer of a multiracial democracy is gone. I remember leaving the Lorraine Motel Museum that night. I walked past the old cars in the parking lot and I, and, and to view the large historical inscription opposite King's Motel Room. I looked up at the motel room and I looked down at the biblical passage that reads, they, they said one to another, Behold, here cometh the dreamer, let us slay him. And we all, and we shall, and, and we shall see what will become of this dreamer. Now, this was, of course, said by Joseph's brothers in the Bible. They were jealous of Joseph and they wanted to profit off of him just like Ibram X. Kennedy and, and other black leaders are profiting off of MLK and selling of racism. Let's remember King's dream and not judge people by the skin color, but by their character. Let's stop listening to those that would say the opposite. Now, you may agree, you may disagree with this. I would love to hear from you on this MLK day and uh, you can do so at uncommonsensepodcast.com thank you very much for listening this podcast is a production of organite communications